Welcome to Tech Enabled. I'm your host, John Bailey, a non-resident senior fellow at the American Enterprise Institute. Each episode, we feature a conversation with leaders from the tech and public policy communities to explore new issues and opportunities raised by emerging technologies. Our hope is that Tech Enabled will introduce you to new entrepreneurs and new thinking, and more importantly, to stimulate new ideas as we tackle the pressing challenges that lie ahead of us. And one of the greatest challenges of modern-day policymaking rests not in the development of new ideas, but rather in their implementation. Some of the boldest policy ambitions over the last decade have been derailed due to a failure to understand how to deliver government services through digital channels. That is why I'm so excited for today's episode, which features Jennifer Anastasoff, the founder and executive director of the Tech Talent Project, a nonpartisan nonprofit project dedicated to increasing the ability of the U.S. government to recruit modern technical leaders in order to achieve critical economic, policy, and human outcomes. Now, on to our conversation. Great. Well, Jennifer, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I'm just so excited because I've had just the wonderful chance to work with and learn from you over these last couple of years. And you are now heading up something called the Tech Talent Project. But before we talk about that, talk a little bit about your journey because your journey has been amazing. Like you've worked in tech in a number of different ways and you were part of some of the team that went in to help uh, stabilize healthcare.gov. And, and from that experience, it, it, it sort of uh, set the precedent for what now has become the Tech Talent Project. But tell us a little bit about your journey. Awesome. Um, I would say, so in terms of the, the team that went in to stabilize healthcare.gov, I wish I was that cool. But <laughs> I came in right after, um, specifically uh, after uh, the, the president, uh, President Obama at the time, sat down and said, hey, so why, why, why don't we build a team of people that can fix this sort of thing before it gets that bad, which seems like a really positive idea. Um, and so that's why uh, I went in um, and joined uh, the United States, what, what became the United States Digital Service. Um, and it was funny because when I was asked to come in, it was, you know, maybe we were going to get 10 or 20 technologists from the private sector. And maybe maybe we were going to get a few that were going to come in and help and work with different agencies to identify areas that really needed help and to fix them. So, you know, as can happen, about three months later, uh, the goal was 200 and then 500. And, uh, and we were building a team of people uh, who could actually come in and do great work. And that a lot of that team continued on, uh, and I stayed on uh, and continued on uh, through the next administration. Some people are still there in the following administration. Um, and it's been amazing to see and, and to be a part of, very honestly, um, a group of people that were so focused and that have been so focused on solving challenges uh, across the aisle, regardless of the party. It's just been really exciting um, to be a part of that. That's amazing. So, you know, from that experience, then you helped launch something called the Tech Talent Project. So for folks, folks who aren't familiar with it, describe what the Tech Talent Project does. Sure. And I should say, I, I ended up being a head of people for the United States Digital Service. So that'll explain a little bit more uh, of why I got into the Tech Talent Project. But as head of people for the United States Digital Service through uh, late 2017, I was really focused on bringing in people from industry uh, into the federal government and um, and, and finding these amazing engineers, product managers, designers, user researchers to come in and make stuff work 
one of the key things that I saw was that it was exponentially harder for those folks to do great work and for the program people who are in government to do great work when folks who uh, were leading technical programs didn't understand modern technology. And it's not a requirement, right, that someone who is uh, who who leads technical work in the federal government actually, you know, understands modern technology. That's not it's not a requirement. It's often having to do with, you know, can you oversee technical budgets? Can you um, can you move technical money? All of that. Um, but but it's harder when someone doesn't understand the implications, uh, the long-term implications of technical decisions um, or the constraints or the opportunities of technical choices. And so the Tech Talent Project was born a few months after I left the federal government, you know, when folks kept reaching out and saying, hey, can you can you help us find someone who can lead this technical this technical agency? Or can you help us find someone who can lead this technical project? And it became really clear to me that part of the reason folks are reaching out to me is there weren't a lot of people to reach out to who could who could who had arms in industry as well as in government and folks who are really strong in technology in government and who could say, here are some people that you might want to talk to. Figure, you know, you, you, at the very least, you can get started there. And so we started the Tech Talent Project to do a few different things. One was basically to build a pool of qualified senior level and executive level technical leaders from business and industry, but also from government, the folks who have been, you know, folks who are off the side of government, and to build that pool of candidates so that our federal government had access to them. And initially we started it just so that whoever jumped in, whoever became president uh, uh, in this last election actually had access to a pool of qualified technical candidates to kick it off. Um, so that was really critical. The, the the next reason you know we started the Tech Talent Project uh, was actually to help folks in government understand why technology is important, how important it is to actually delivering on any of the policies or programs or promises uh, that government makes, right? Whatever that promise is, uh, we're at a stage in the 21st century, we're 20, what, we're 20 years in, 21 years into the 21st century, 2022. 20, <laughs> And we're still operating with, in many cases, with technology and with systems uh, that I'm very familiar with from the 90s, right? And so, and so, and sometimes from the 80s and sometimes even earlier. So, you know, but, but yet, you know, on a daily basis, people are using cell phones and they're communicating in really quick ways and they're engaging uh, in really useful ways, but their engagements with government are not as quick and are not as painless. And that is something that, that needs to change. Uh, so the second piece is working with folks in government who really get it to help them understand how to engage technical leaders effectively um, and, uh, and, where, and how technology actually is a huge part of making sure that they can deliver on what they're supposed to be doing. So that's the second piece. The third piece was getting ready for whether it would be a transition or whether it would be a next term. There's so much to unpack there, but so two things just to, to go one step deeper, but it, it feels like you help provide this sort of connective tissue that there are amazing talent in Silicon Valley and other tech hubs all around the country that want to help in public policy, but just don't know how to find a pathway into government. And also on the other side, you have public policy where digital delivery is more important than ever before for policy and they need people with deep technical experience to be able to help implement and successfully carry out their policies. And so 
you you help sort of connect those tissues. But like on the tech side, like what are the different paths that if someone is, you know, an engineer or a UX designer and they want to go in, they want to help the CDC out or they want to go in and help simplify student loans or they want to do something in AI uh, over in the Department of Transportation, like what are the pathways that those uh, people with tech expertise have for going and serving in the federal government? Well, so there, there are a couple of questions in there. One was, why is it so hard? And then the other is, what are the pathways? Why is it so hard, John? I mean, I think it goes back throughout here. I, I remember in grad school when I was reading <laughs> papers about how easy it is to come up with something in policy and forget that you actually have to deliver the thing. <laughs> and one thing I love about business uh, and about industry uh, and, and looking at industry and the best practices, not the worst practices, but looking at the best practices of industry is when uh, folks are focused on actually delivering. Like your, work, your stuff doesn't work if you don't actually deliver it to the human who's supposed to receive it. And that's how folks are trained. And that is amazing. But that's just not, that's not the way normally that folks think about policy. Um, and, uh, and it's changing now. And I'm very excited about that. And hopefully it'll be less difficult. Um, but what are the ways that folks can get into to government? Um, you know, if someone's a, a technologist, there's reaching out to the Tech Talent Project, and there's a ton of reading online about it uh, if folks want to learn more um, and reaching out to us. So that's one. Um, and that's for folks who are more senior level, more executive level, who are thinking about um, making a, taking either a sabbatical or making a career transition. Either way, uh, that's a, a great step. Uh, for folks that are more uh, mid-career who are trying to test it out, there's the United States Digital Response, which seeks out volunteers from the tech community and provides an opportunity uh, for individuals uh, who are technologists, who are user experience folks, who are product marketers, et cetera, to get into, uh, see, to see what it's like to help government and to see what it's like to utilize your skills uh, to make our country better and to serve humans better. Um, so that's exciting because every time someone goes in there, I think, at some point, they're coming to us. But um, but that's so. So United States Digital Response is a great place. The Aspen Tech Policy Hub, uh, which uh, reaches out to folks uh, at, at at a variety of levels, I think, uh, of uh, who are technologists. So at a variety of levels of the tech industry, to say, hey, if you're interested in learning about how to get into service, come over here and we'll teach you. Uh, and I think their work is invaluable. So there are a few places to go if there folks are early stage. Um, there's new programs that have sprouted up that are awesome. Coding It Forward, which is a college-level program, and the Digital Core, which the federal government just kicked off, uh, which is for early-stage technologists to come in and help government. So there are several programs now. But if all of that is hard to remember, you could just kind of check out our website and give us a ring. We actually, we last year, when we did uh, the first season, I guess you were to call that, of Tech Enabled, we, we interviewed... Um, uh, Raylene in, uh, in USDR and just in some of the work that they were doing. Uh, it's just been incredibly impressive, especially during uh, all the challenges created by, by the pandemic. Right now, we have a lot of public policy leaders joining the federal government in these, these very key, very important positions that are leading a whole bunch of different policies, both crisis response to the pandemic implementing the American Rescue Plan, as well as the now the Bipartisan Infrastructure Plan. And, you know, as we were just talking about, so many of these policies that were debated so fiercely in Congress 
they live or die based on their implementation. And increasingly, the way these things are implemented is using technology. It's either databases or delivery through websites. And often, uh, the, the simplest website hides enormous complexity on the other side. And so it's really easy for a bunch of these leaders who have been in think tanks or they've been in advocacy organizations um, and don't have necessarily the deep technical background, what would you say to them? How, how should they be thinking about delivery and execution of some of these policies right now and the intersection of that with technology? Well, I mean, I think, look, leaders need to know that there is no policy today, zero, zilch, that can be implemented without technology. Right? It, there's no policy that can be delivered or is being delivered without technology. It's sort of the, the tray on which everything is sitting and your choices can make it either good, like well-delivered or not, or some part in between, but often it leads towards, towards the not if you're not uh, uh, thoughtful about it. So, you, you know, it's those leaders that are going to choose which and they're going to choose which by choosing where they put their attention, right? And by investing in hiring strong leaders, uh, who focus on real outcomes for the people of their state, uh, real outcomes for the people of their agency. Um, and they have they have a chance, right? They have a chance to implement it well. They have a chance to spend the, what is it, $350 billion plus dollars that are coming from the federal government well. Um, but leaders are going to ignore the technical requirements and the process requirements of delivery at their own peril. That's how healthcare.gov happens. Um, and I'll tell you, we get lots of calls and lots of folks in, in uh, technology and government get lots of calls when stuff fails. But it doesn't actually have to fail, right? That's the beauty of it. So. And I would say like there, there are a set of core technical competencies that we think and that I think are, are essential to 21st century governance. Again, recognizing that we are 21 years into that. Things like bringing tech leaders to the table, right? Com the competency of tech-informed decision-making, the competency of, user, of understanding user experience, of having people who understand uh, uh, site reliability engineering. What is that? What is that weird technical word? That is, does your website work when people go to it? <laughs> There are people who specialize in that. And the answer for government needs to be yes. The website works when I go to it. Um, it is unacceptable for it to close on weekends. It's unacceptable for it to just like randomly not work on, you know, uh, for, for a week out of the year or whatever it might be. So there are some critical competencies that, that folks need to know. And those are just a few of them. That's great. Yeah. I, I mean, we saw that actually. You know, so many websites were built to not actually withstand the surge of volume that they received when things began shutting down during the pandemic. And we saw that with UI systems at the state level, the Paycheck Protection Program at the federal level, that capacity is a huge issue. And just also, you know, it feels, you know, learning from you and, and the rest of your team and uh, USDR and others, you know, there's so much too that can be done with technology to implement uh, policy that, again, policy policymakers that don't have that experience should just be open to in terms of the brainstorming and the design. Yeah. And design with a digital first and sort of mindset that would help just accelerate things and make things a better experience, frankly, for um, for the constituents we're serving. Now, you also mentioned uh, the other project, which I was just so fortunate to, to be a part of and, and to learn with you through was these tech transition memos. And I know I, I've worked on several presidential campaigns and, and transition start uh, for both candidates that are running. 
right after their conventions. And it's when they people, start, a whole group of volunteers and some paid people start thinking about taking the campaign promises and translating into action plans. And for the first time in history, uh, both President Trump and then candidate Biden had had received uh, transition memos from your team on dealing with tech in a handful of agencies. Talk a little bit about that. Like, what was the the goal of the project, and then what did you learn coming out of, of the memos that were produced there, and how were they used? Because I know, like the Biden, no, we we briefed both campaigns, but the the Biden administration, once they won the election, took and really ran with it. So, talk a little bit about that too. Yeah, I mean, I would say, you know, I'm sure that there are folks that have worked on this sort of thing in the past. I think this was this was truly. Well, I mean, actually, I should say first. First, you are a national treasure. Thank you for co. Thank you for co-chairing it. <laughs> I'm not sure I told you how much work it was going to be. <laughs> but look, memos for tech transition provided a framework for working with 80 agency um, policy experts. Uh, as well as engineers and technologists that that were from multiple Republican Democratic administrations uh, to to draft sort of this what I would call I, I think about it as a, a government technology cheat sheet, right? And that it laid out critical first steps that an administration can take uh, to make sure that their departments can actually deliver all of this that we've been talking about. And it's it's a lot more complex to your point. It's a lot more complex to deliver something well and simply and with ease to make it easy for people on the other end takes a lot of work on the back end. So what what this work did is it create like we created both that cheat sheet that talked about the challenges and the strengths in technology. And I'll say somewhere in those memos for a tech transition is the next healthcare.gov. I don't know where it is. But we also created a 21st century list of technology leadership roles. And, and we're very clear about in, you know, these nine agencies that are critical to COVID response and recovery and our economic response and recovery, here are the technical leadership roles that need to be filled. Uh, and they need to be filled with people who understand technology. And it, I think if you take a look at it, it's kind of surprising, right? You look at some of them and you go, what, this budget person needs to know technology? Well, yes, that would be really amazing if that budget person understood technology. Um, and it was sort of a 21st century it's called the Plum Book, right? There's a, a list of appointees, uh, appointed roles. It's published every four years by by Congress called the Plum Book. So it included that, but it also included the civil service roles that are really critical from a technical perspective. And a lot of technical roles are civil service roles, so and are career roles. And so one example of that, just to give a sense of it before I talk about how much it was used and how it was used, but is the Health and Human Services team identified six key health and human service agency teams that were central to managing the public health response for COVID-19. They highlighted strategies for tech talent pipelines, deployed, uh, talked about how they could deploy effective data governance techniques, and identified roles that needed to be staffed by skilled technologists, and highlighted issues like that there's not a lot of headcount for technologists at health and human services. <laughs> so like, that's a problem. Someone needs to address that. So those were some things that happened. How was it used? I mean, I think it was really amazing what, what I heard back, right, from folks who were in the tr transition was that it was used quite a bit to be able to, to, when folks were trying to figure out how do they think about delivery, there's not a lot of, I mean, you've been in transitions, there's not a lot of time in transitions to do original thinking. <laughs> uh, people do, some people are brilliant and they can do that. Um, 
And but also a lot of the work is trying to find what's out there uh, that you can use and that makes a ton of sense. And so this was, you know, a critical reference point uh, when it came to understanding what some potential uh, failure points and failure modes for te technology were that were upcoming um, and what some potential opportunities were as well. And so it was great to see that. I think the other thing that I have heard people appreciated was that the memo is also focused on, you know, what are some challenges that a transition team might face? Meaning, you know, this has nothing to do with Congress. This has nothing to do with some sort of political fight. It's just the routine business of governing often has, you know, deadlines that go in between uh, the transition, you know, of power between one team and another team. You just have technical issues. I remember the Department of Education and the IRS have been sort of locked in this challenge of how do you share yeah. data in order to pre-populate FAFSA forms. But there is also cybersecurity and privacy issues. And again, that's the type of thing where you need leadership that understands that can help and engage that. And then also, I mean, some huge roles over at the, the White House too, OSTP being elevated to a cabinet position and, uh, and some of the new roles over there too. So amazing. People can actually look at the memos. The memos are available on the Tech Talent website and, um, and folks should do that. You know, just maybe two last questions. First, we've spent a lot of time uh, talking about the federal government, but also, you know, as you and I have talked so much of uh, public policy delivery, particularly with a lot of federal programs, aren't necessarily totally delivered at the federal level. They go through state governments. And there's another sort of risk point where if a state government website gets overwhelmed, it collapses and then the whole policy collapses with it. So what should what should governors be thinking about in terms of their digital delivery and their tech talent? And this is particularly important because right now we have 36 gubernatorial races. So we're going to have potentially a whole bunch of new governors uh, in a year that will be um, in office and thinking about their digital delivery and executing on all the federal funds that they've received, as well as their own state policies. So what should what should any key high level principles a governor should be thinking about? Yeah, I mean, first, the North Star of policy and tech together has to be delivery. Focus your people, focus your programs on whether or not the services are actually happening and being delivered. Um, stovepipes develop over time. You know, everyone sees it. Um, but if you can have the North Star be delivery to humans um, and, and whether or not that's happening and in what time period that's happening, uh, if you get your DMV to work, <laughs> then, then, then folks will really appreciate that. Um, but so that, that's, I think, the North Star being delivery is, is a key piece. It's not enough to develop the perfect policy. You have to make tech-informed decisions, bring technologists to the table. And often I, you know, I'll often hear from both in state and federal government folks say, yeah, you know, what we're going to do is we're going to develop the right policy. And then we're going to throw it over the wall to the tech people, and they can just implement it. But the thing is, because technology is, is kind of a tray that everything else is, is sitting on, um, you need to know at the beginning what the constraints are and what the opportunities are. And actually having a technologist at the table can help you get to where you want to be at the beginning. Whereas if, you're, if they come in later in the process and certain things have already been set up, it can be really hard. Uh, to, to, to make the changes that need to be made. And we saw this during uh, the, the critical role that states play and the, the accountability that governors face uh, with the unemployment insurance rollouts. 
um, in addition to other pieces, right? In addition to COVID-19 rollouts and a variety of other things. But um, but that was really, really key. So that's, you know, one is the North Star is delivery. Two is an effective governor is the number one technical recruiter for your state, right? You have to invest time and focus in, in honestly things that a governor has the least of uh, in, um, in pulling in proven technical leadership so that they can do the work that they need to do. Um, and groups like Tech Talent Project can help identify strong technical leaders, but it's the state leadership that convinces someone to leave their job and to join state government to make a huge difference. Uh, it's not about logistics or merely the process of hiring. It's about closing the top candidates uh, that you can get in. And then third, uh, using industry for best practices to recruit and hire. Um, you know, people are often surprised uh, when I share how long government hiring processes are because in technology, they're used to, you know, maybe they meet a CEO one day and a week later they're working. <laughs> and that is, that is mind-blowing. Uh, to many folks in government, and it's mind-blowing to folks in industry uh, that it can take longer. Now, don't get me wrong. There are folks uh, and, 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 and companies that can take months and months and months, but we're talking about best practices here. And the fact is, is if you're going after the best people, which our governments should, that you want to be able to, to, to bring them in. Because you can bring them in on mission, but that's not everything. You got you to close them. So, you know, the, the best practices are engaging subject matter experts who understand the role actively recruit. Don't just sit around and wait for people to show up at your door. You got to actively recruit. Uh, have to provide an excellent candidate experience. You have to lead a rigorous selection process that actually involves people who understand technology. The last piece I will say, you've got to look at your technical and your operational capacity in your state to deliver with clear eyes. Is it going to work? Ask the right people. Dig in. Because it's those clear eyes, and that's where I would say having some engineers on board can be helpful, too. Uh, it's those clear eyes that will help you avoid some of the challenges that other governors have seen. Or hopefully not repeat the challenges that you've seen. Not repeat. To learn from those, those challenges. Learn uh, from. All right. So last question, which is, what's next for the Tech Talent Project? I mean, you've done amazing work up to this point, and I know you have a very full agenda going forward. So. What's next for tech talent? You know, I think there's just so much work to do to help states get to the level where they feel comfortable with their technical leadership and their technical support and being able to deliver uh, on, on a lot of the programs that they're being asked to deliver on. So I would say, you know, the first piece is that we're going to look at states more deeply. We're actually doing a research study looking at states as like the nation's engines for delivery. We're doing a research project engaging with states to figure out what are their digital maturity levels? Where are they in terms of being able to deliver on this work in, in a way that, that will allow us to support them? Not, it's not a gotcha thing, um, but in a way that's going to allow us, allow us to support them. The second piece, I would say, is we're, we're sharing our take on something that I think is exciting. <laughs> it's called the Tech Modernization Fund. There's a Tech Modernization Fund that was created in, in the federal government that basically you know, it's kind of a wonky thing, right? It allows the federal people in the federal government and technologists in the federal government to get money to support tech modernization outside of budget cycles. So if you're not asleep right now, <laughs> what that means is that folks who, you know, need to make their technology work better, to make their programs work better, can get money when they need it. 
to do so. That's great. Um, and there are some states that have started taking up that call and said, we want to create a tech modernization fund to allow us to, to fund the things that we need. Because that we kind of need to, once you get those technologists and technical leaders in, we kind of need to support them in being able to do the work. And one key way is, is the funds. So that's a paper that's coming out with a few papers coming out. We're sharing some learnings on the 10 critical competencies of a 21st century government. So we've just started a blog because we're all about the 1990s. Uh, no, but we've just started blog uh, <laughs> to, to be able to share some of our work. And then the last thing that I think is actually maybe one of the most interesting things is we're working on something called the state of tech. So the state of tech is a federal just sort of taking a look at the federal government and capturing some key public metrics around funding tech, supporting tech talent and customer experience uh, in government to sort of share with folks and share with agencies. This is this is where you are right now from being from a perspective of being able to support uh, and have strong technical leadership and uh, to deliver on on your programs. Uh, so hope you're doing well. If you have questions, here are some places you might want to look. Uh, so that's what we're doing. And we're always looking for amazing senior level and executive level leaders who are looking at state and federal government. We are always and consistently uh, working to help people think through their futures if they're considering that. Great. So first, just thank you. Thank you for all the, the work you've done throughout the pandemic, your service in the federal government, and then also just helping to set up opportunities for amazing talent to serve in, in government now at a, at a very crucial time. And so thanks for joining us today. I know like the last thing anyone needs is more one more Zoom, in this case, a Zoom recording for, for a podcast, but we're so grateful uh, for you taking time and just sharing with us the, the amazing work you and your team are, are leading right now. So thanks, Jennifer. Thank you, John.